Hi, you're listening to the Baby Manual Podcast, the podcast that helps you feel confident as a new parent. I'm your host, a pediatrician and mom, and the author of the Baby Manual, Dr. Carol Keim. Welcome to episode five, when your baby is two months old. So wow, these months are just flying by, aren't they? As a parent, when your baby's about two months old, you should be starting to think about getting back to your normal pre-pregnancy activities and interests. A lot of times that includes work or school and preparing to go back to that and finding childcare for your baby during that time. It can be a really hard transition and that's normal. So if you can, try to go back slowly or gradually for the first couple of weeks. Maybe not right on, you know, with a full schedule, but hey, it's up to you. Uh, Whatever's best for you and your body and yourself. You should also be getting out with the baby. This is the age where after baby gets their first round of vaccines, it's a little safer to bring them out into crowded places, especially if you're breastfeeding. You're giving baby passive immunity as you breastfeed. So that's another way to support their immune system and help them not get sick. You should be trying to figure out at this time or starting to land on where you are with partner support and family support and whether you've got friends, family, people that you can reach out to when you need to. There should be community resources also. So I would suggest looking into that. And a lot of moms at this age will start going to things like milk circles or breastfeeding circles or, you know, baby and me times and things like that. So look for things like that in your community. I bet you can find something really fun and connect with other moms that way. Uh, At this point, mom should have had her six week postpartum checkup. If you haven't, make sure you go ahead and schedule that. And just to make sure that you're okay, you should not be bleeding anymore at this point. And you should be starting to feel like yourself again. You need to be on pelvic rest for six weeks after baby's born, which means nothing inside of mom's vagina. So that means no toys, no boys, nothing. But now that you're six weeks out, it's okay to start having sex again. So it's time to think about family planning. If you don't want to have another baby right away, you need to consider that because you can get pregnant right now, even if you're breastfeeding. So talk to your partner about that. See where you land on family planning. As for your baby's development at this time, you want to hold them, cuddle them, talk and sing to them. They should be laughing and smiling and cooing, but also they still cry. So also think about strategies for crying. If they seem to be crying too much, I'd say first just check, have they eaten? Are they full? Do they have a wet or dirty diaper? And do they need to be held? If all of these are satisfied, then you might want to call your doctor and troubleshoot other things that it could be that's causing them to be crying too much. They should be eating about six to eight times per 24 hours. So their feeds are a little more consolidated at this time. Sometimes they can take as much as four to six ounces at a time at two months of age, which means that they should be full for about four to six hours. It's interesting. The baby's body seems to, um, they still eat 24 to 30 ounces in a 24 hour period, but they just eat more at a time so they can go longer between feeds. And it seems like one to one and a quarter ounces will keep them full for about an hour is the the typical average for babies. For peeing and pooping, they should have found their pooping pattern by now. The rule of seven still applies. So anything between once a week and seven times in 24 hours is considered a normal amount of poop. But usually what I see around two months of age is that babies are pooping about once or twice a day or once every couple days. And that's usually typical for them. Um, If babies tend to go more than a few days without pooping, a lot of times they'll have a blowout poop, like a big giant one that goes all up inside their onesie. And that's normal. They've just saved it for a couple of days. So anything in that seven range, seven times a day to once a week is normal. 
they should still be peeing every time that they eat, which is about six to eight times per 24 hours. Now for their skincare, you're still bathing about once or twice a week, sometimes every other day at this age. At two months, they tend to be a little spittier, a little smellier. You know, they get a little bit of milk in their skin folds in their neck. They're starting to get a little bulked up. Um, They're not just these skinny little babies anymore. So uh, sometimes they need more frequent bathing at this age. And you can still use cream or lotion or ointment after baths to seal in that moisture. For diaper rash or for rash in the skin folds in the neck, um, or once they start getting those thick legs, it's usually four to six months. But when they start getting leg folds too, uh, you want to use a regular diaper cream in those folds if you notice a rash happening. So something zinc-based like desitin is great. Something petroleum-based like Vaseline, Aquaphor, or A&D ointment is also great. And those are good barrier creams that keep any moisture from getting back onto that rash and irritating it. And they allow the skin to heal from those base layers up. So um, regular creams should work within two or three days, but if it's not working, uh, then it could be colonized or infected. And that's true for both those neck rashes, fold rashes, and also the diaper rashes. So the most common thing that infects a diaper rash is candida or yeast infection. What that looks like is bright pink areas where it's solid pink and then around it, you get these little dots called satellite lesions. And those are tiny pinpoint pink dots around the edges of the rash. That's a sign of candida or yeast infection. And you can use something at home that you probably have. You could mix apple cider vinegar and water one-to-one, dab that on with a cotton ball. It shouldn't burn. If it does, you need to add more water into it. And you can do that three times a day. And it should help because vinegar is antifungal. If it's not helping, you can apply something like an over-the-counter antifungal cream Uh, Something like Lotrimin, Tinactin, those can help to decrease the yeast infection as well. But also the the very best and well, the prescription strength version, if your at-home remedies aren't working, are you could call your doctor and ask for a prescription of Nystatin. And Nystatin is an antifungal that kills candida and works really well. Now, if your baby's had this before and it happens again, you didn't do anything wrong. It's super common for babies to get recurrent rashes and to get recurrent colonization with candida. So um, there's nothing you should have been doing to prevent it any better. It's just kind of a normal thing that happens. It's one of your normal skin flora. And as soon as they get a little bit of diaper rash, that candida loves to just get in there and grow. So uh, it's okay to retreat and they're not going to get resistant to this medication. So it's okay to use it as needed. But if they do have a candida infected rash, you want to use that nice statin cream for about a day or two after the rash seems to have gotten better because once it's still really light pink, there is still some in there. So until it's totally gone, you want to still use it. And then when you're pretty sure it's totally gone, do it maybe another 24 hours just to be really sure so that it's not going to flare up as quickly as it would have. For bacterial infections, sometimes babies will get boils in the diaper area or little pimples, and those are typically caused by a staph infection. So for those, you can try using Neosporin three times a day. That's over the counter. But if it doesn't work, you're going to need a prescription strength like Mupirocin ointment, which you can get from your pediatrician. If your baby has recurrent boils, that's unfortunately something that's not normal. So, I mean, it can happen, but it tends to be because it's living somewhere in the house. So you want to treat the whole family with this Mupirocin ointment. You can put it under everybody's nails and inside both sides of the nose. 
three times a day for 10 days, and that will eradicate it from the house. So if your baby has recurrent boils, that's what I recommend is treating the whole family or anyone that's in that diaper area doing diaper changes. For family members, like extended family, you know, grandparents or babysitters or daycare centers, if you're not able to get them treated, you can ask that they use rubber gloves while they're changing baby's diaper, and that will help prevent that infection from happening again. For your baby's two-month checkup, so your baby should have gained about two pounds or one kilo since their last checkup. The average weight at two months is about 11 pounds, and that's based on the average baby being seven pounds at birth. So you can sort of guess up or down from there, but they should have gained about two pounds since their last visit. Their first vaccines are happening at the two-month visit. So that's DTaP, polio, Hib, Hep B, PCV, and rotavirus. Now, these are available as combo vaccines. There's typically two or three shots that they get at this age and one oral vaccine, which is the rotavirus vaccine. Now, for the shots, the diphtheria, tetanus, and pertussis are what's in the DTaP. Pertussis is whooping cough, and that's one of the more important things we're preventing at this age. Whooping cough, when babies get it and they're less than six months old, they have a tendency to just stop breathing because they don't have the muscles to cough as strong as they would want to. So a whooping cough is real dangerous. I have seen babies with it. Most will get it from a family member, so either a parent or a grandparent or an older sibling. So I recommend that everyone in the house is up to date on their Tdap vaccines, which is tetanus, diphtheria, pertussis. It has more tetanus. The baby one is DTaP, diphtheria, tetanus, pertussis has more diphtheria. But yes, anyway, that's great vaccine to help prevent that. Poliovirus is one that is airborne and spread. Um, if there's people who are traveling, they're at risk of being exposed to polio. Hib is a bacterial infection. It stands for Haemophilus influenza B. It's a bacterial infection that used to kill a lot of babies and it causes things like meningitis, pneumonia, and sepsis. So meningitis is an infection of the tissues around the brain and can cause brain damage and death. Uh, sepsis is a bacterial infection in your bloodstream and um, also very high risk of dying from that. And then pneumonia is an infection in the lungs. The PCV vaccine stands for pneumococcal vaccine, and pneumococcus is strep pneumoniae. It's 13 different strains of strep right now that we have in that vaccine, and they're the strains of strep that also cause things like meningitis, pneumonia, and sepsis, just like Hib. So the PCV vaccine is a great one for your kids to get because, you know, strep is pretty much everywhere, and these are the top most deadly strains that young babies tend to be exposed to. The hepatitis B vaccine. Hep B is a viral infection. It is bloodborne. We give it at birth, two months and six months because it is safe to do and because it gives them lasting immunity lifelong with that. They're not being exposed to hep B typically at this age, but once babies do start walking, um, even around a year of age, imagine, you know, if they go to a playground and they were to find a needle, hep B can live on a needle for two to three weeks. And if they were to step on that or poke themselves with it, they could be exposed. Also, if a child is born to a mother who's hep B positive, they have a very high chance of having chronic hepatitis B infection. And if there's a child like that on the playground and they fall and skin their knee, and then another kid falls in that same spot within two or three weeks and skins their knee also, they've also been exposed to hepatitis B because it can live in that blood spot two to three weeks on the ground. So just keep that in mind. Even though babies are not sexually active and they're not, you know, using IV drugs, they can still be exposed to hepatitis B as young children. So that's why we give it to them as babies, because we know that they can be fully protected. 
from that. Now, the rotavirus, rotavirus is a viral infection that causes diarrhea and severe dehydration in babies. I have had patients with this, and it's really scary when they're little because they have such massive diarrhea that they can't recuperate their losses in fluids, and they get super dehydrated and can die from it. A lot of babies who catch rotavirus will get it from a school-age sibling who has just mild diarrhea or from a parent or a family member who has it. So um, it is uh, foodborne, waterborne. So that's something that we protect the young babies against. Now, with rotavirus vaccine, you have to start before they're 15 weeks old. So we start that typically at the two-month visit. Neuro and development at this age, so at two months, they're starting to lose their primitive reflexes. So the grasp reflex, the rooting reflex, and the moro reflex are getting less prominent. They're just not as big. You can still see them, but they're they're less than they were. Uh, they're starting to attempt to look at your... At, you, the parent, when you're talking. And so they'll turn their head to look at you. They'll smile. They're starting to be able to soothe themselves. A lot of times that's by sucking on something like a hand or a pacifier. And um, they can keep themselves interested too at this age. And they start to show signs of boredom, which is kind of crazy. But you don't need to keep your baby stimulated all day. They get really fascinated just looking at new things. So looking at things on the walls, Lights, ceiling fans, windows, things like that can be great. You don't need to put on TV or radio for your baby at this age. And just talk to them throughout the day, sing to them. That can really help. They start to have different types of crying, and you're going to notice that they cry differently when they're hungry or when they're wet or if they want to be held or if they're just angry. So it's kind of interesting to see how your baby's starting to really communicate already at two months of age. And they should be cooing. They should push their chest up a little bit off the ground during tummy time or push away from you using their arms when they're on your chest. And they should have consistent head control now when they're being supported. So what that means is if you're holding them upright, like against your chest, or if you're sitting them upright, they can't hold themselves up, but they can hold their head in line typically. And it will fall to the side. They do get tired, so it will fall over time. Anticipatory guidance at this age. They should be eating nothing but breast milk or formula until between four and six months. Don't give them anything other than breast milk or formula. No water, no baby food, no juice, nothing until you see us at the four-month visit and get that go-ahead from your doctor. Some babies won't be ready until six months, so don't start anything yet. Um, just breast milk or formula is all they need. For sleep safety, it's still back to sleep. Always lay them on their back, face up in the crib. Um, or the bassinet by themselves. They can be in a sleep sack, but no swaddles at this age, no blankets, and no pillows. They're still too young for all of those. You want to try putting baby to bed when they're awake but drowsy. It's really tricky, and they hate it, and it just takes a lot of practice. So a lot of babies will cry as soon as they're laid down, but the more you do it and the more consistent you are with it, the quicker they will be able to get themselves to fall asleep. So just keep at it. I know it's hard. In terms of safety, you want to never leave baby alone on a high surface. Remember that they can wiggle and fall off of things like beds. Even a king-size bed, they can get from the middle to the edge in the time it takes you to turn around and change your shirt. So you want to keep a hand on them if they're on any high surfaces. No couches, no changing tables, things like that. Regular tables, they can fall off of those real quickly. You want to use a rear-facing car seat until they're two years old. Avoid secondhand smoke. Secondhand smoke is the highest risk factor for SIDS in babies. And if you are smoking, you want to go outside to smoke. When you come back in, change your clothes and wash your hands with soap and water to avoid that smoke exposure for baby. You want to set water temperatures to 120 degrees on your boiler to avoid scald burns. 
if your baby were to be taking a bath, say in the sink or in the bathtub with the water running and someone flushes a toilet and the water goes to scalding hot, if it's 120 degrees, that gives them enough time to pull their hand or leg or body away from the water and cry um, without getting scalded. If it's higher than that, they tend to get burned before they can react to it. Remember also, you should never prop a bottle. Babies aren't quite strong enough to hold their own bottle still at this age, but they're also not strong enough to get the bottle out of their mouth if they need to, if they start choking. So um, propping bottles, like having it held by something in their mouth is a high risk factor for choking at this age. So you always want to be holding the bottle and feeding your baby if you are giving them bottles. And the best way to help your baby with development at this time physically is with tummy time. So tummy time is 15 to 30 minutes. It should be about 30 minutes at this age, twice a day on a blanket where you have them face down. You're watching them the whole time and you're seeing them try to lift their chest up. A lot of babies hate tummy time and well, you're their personal trainer in this right now. And that's actually kind of good. So as they hate tummy time and they start to push themselves up, eventually they will roll over. Once they can get themselves out of tummy time, they've gotten everything out of it they need to. So the point is we're training them to roll and to press up their bodies at this age. So keep doing that tummy time as much as you can. Also for verbal development, talk, sing to them, snuggle with them, and you can even start to read them books. And really they're just learning that books are things that make you make sound and they have pictures to look at and the pages go in one direction from right to left. That's all at this age and their next checkup is gonna be when they're four months old. So their next few checkups are every two months. They have their two month checkup, then the four month and then the six month checkup. And then after that, it's nine months. So it's getting more and more spread out, but you've got this. You're starting to notice patterns with your baby and you're starting to feel more confident as a parent. So we will see you next time for the four month checkup. Thank you for listening to the Baby Manual Podcast. Please hit that subscribe button below so you don't miss the new episodes when they come out. I would also love it if you could leave me a review. If you'd like to buy a copy of the Baby Manual, it's on Amazon and Kindle. I'm the author, Dr. Carol Keim, and that's spelled K-E-I-M. You can also follow me on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, or Facebook to get some quick baby tips that will make you feel like an expert. Thanks for listening.